WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine this morning. Clouds this afternoon, high 39. Tonight and overnight, rain and snow showers, the low 35. It's not going to amount to anything. And then Friday, sunshine, high 45. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 28 and clear in Port Washington, out on Long Island, 27 and partly cloudy in Medford, down in New Jersey. And it is 26 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Unfortunately, we start the show with another, yet another mass shooting. This one taking place during the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade yesterday. One person dead. 20 injured now. At least seven of the people injured are kids. Yeah, you can hear the gunfire there. People racing to get away. Uh, here's one of the fans who showed up who said it was just bedlam for a short time. Then once the crowd dispersed away, we saw multiple bodies laying there. Uh, with gunshot wounds. This woman trapped among the crowd trying to get away. All of a sudden, people started crushing forward. Everybody started running. There was screaming. Mayor of Kansas City says uh, it was just a nightmare, and I'm sure it was. Heard people screaming and running, and they pretty much ran us over because we were so close. So Police Chief uh, Stacy Graves says that three people have been detained, firearms recovered. They're not telling us a whole lot more in terms of a motive, if there was really truly more than one gunman, if there was three gunmen. That we don't know yet either. The reviewing video have been all night of the parade goers. Uh, there were a bunch of heroes there as well. Some these uh, gunmen were tackled just by regular people who were at the parade. Uh, here's the mayor of Kansas City. I think that's something that all of us who are our parents, who are just regular people living each day, have to decide what we wish to do about it. Parades, rallies, schools, movies, it seems like almost nothing is safe. Yeah, I mean, it really does feel that way. It's felt that way for years. But then you think, like, each time it happens at a different place, you know, first we were shocked when it was schools, more shocked when it was churches and synagogues and mosques, and now it's Super Bowl parades. It just really doesn't end. We do know who one of the victims is, the, well, at least now, let's hope, the sole victim, a mother of two, an avid Kansas City Chiefs fan, Killed during the parade, it was Lisa Lopez Galvin. She was rushed to the hospital after she took a bullet to the abdomen. She was a local DJ, did everybody's weddings, apparently. Everybody knew her. Uh, family friends saying she was so full of life, a lifelong Kansas City Chief fan who was just out there just to have a great time with the team and with the fans. So it's just, you know, what an awful way to go. Uh, there were some heroic moments. Kansas City Chief fans who stopped one of the alleged shooters at the parade tackled him to the ground without thinking. His wife then grabbed the firearm out of this guy's hand. His name is Trey Filter. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve. And then his wife grabs that weapon. So here's what we know. 
One person killed, 21 others shot, including children, three in custody. Officials say they do not believe the motive was terrorism. They're probably, they think it might just be some sort of separate crime, not connected to the parade. But again, they haven't given us any details, so we don't know yet. Stacy Graves, the Kansas City police chief, says there will be some sort of press conference a little bit later this morning. Will there lay out more details? Just awful. Yeah, people, can you imagine you're taking your kids to a parade and some guy or maybe three people open fire? Awful. The shooting coming on the same day. It was sixth anniversary yesterday of the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High in Parkland, Florida. After a while, they all start to, unfortunately, fall together. You'd have to remember which ones, which this was that awful one. Seventeen killed uh, inside the school and outside the school yesterday. They had a memorial, as they do every year. I'm making sure that we do everything to make schools safe, make sure we work on mental health, and make sure we never forget the families and, and, and the folks that were lost there today. So schools throughout Broward. A county observing a day of service, they call, and love with a moment of silence at 1017 when that shooting took place. It's never going to be forgotten by me that I am the 17th sheriff, and it took 17 people to die for me to become sheriff. And so I'm most certainly always committed to the cause of fighting for gun reform and making sure we get legislation that makes sense. That's the Broward Sheriff now. Gregory Tony says he does not believe enough has been done to address active shooter threats. And we haven't made a damn dent in this thing from a legislative standpoint. Yeah. And uh, also, same day, just how bizarre, this is all happening the same day. So it's the Broward anniversary. And then yesterday, construction on a new elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, where that other massacre took place. The new school will replace Robb Elementary, the site of the deadly 2022 school shooting. Nineteen children and two teachers were killed. The Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District says it still needs about $20 million to complete the project. School officials are working on fundraising with the Uvalde Moving Forward Foundation. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Yeah, so this just seems like it's going to, I mean, it has been the norm for well, a decade now, maybe longer. These school shootings, then you have parade shootings, church shootings. And uh, we send these people back to Washington every year to try to figure it out. And uh, nobody can seem to come to sort of any middle ground. There is a middle ground. But nobody wants, uh, nobody's brave enough. I don't know what's going on, but we send these people back every year to figure this out. Maybe legislation, maybe mental health, whatever it is, the two sides and the three sides, whatever side it is. They need to come to the middle and figure it out uh, because how senseless was this? Another, I mean, people are at a parade celebrating the Kansas City Chiefs. They were there to have a good time. Kids were shot. A woman, a DJ, well-loved woman in town dead. It makes no sense to me. And it gets me angry, and I'm sure it gets you angry as well. And we rely on Washington to do something, and I guess we have to rely on ourselves to do something as well. Mayor Bloomberg, whether you liked him or not when he was mayor, has been at the front of this and trying to sort of come up with uh, ways to bring the sides together. Uh, It's been somewhat successful, but either way, just awful, 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 awful. And, of course, as more details come in on that Kansas City shooting, we will pass it on to you. WABC News Time 509. Let's stay on this topic just for a moment more, these mass shootings. And so many people say it's about guns. Other people say it's about mental health. But when either of those sides sort of try to address the issue, I think it's a good thing. So New York City suing social media companies over their roles and fueling the mental health crisis among kids. So Mayor Adams is joining hundreds of school districts nationwide. They're following this lawsuit against the companies that own TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and YouTube. Our most recent data found that young people in New York City 
are experiencing anxiety, hopelessness, and even attempted suicide at rates we have never seen before. Yeah, this is real, by the way. Uh, I see this, uh, you know, with my own kids. They're just addicted to the stuff, and you don't always know what they're looking at. And the apps are set up to keep them on them as long as possible. And the mayor says there's growing evidence that the power of social media is a major cause for uh, mental health issues. The lawsuit is forcing to seek the social media giants to change their behavior and recover some of the costs. New York spends about $100 million a year on youth mental health services. Earlier this morning, our administration filed a lawsuit against the companies that own five major social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and YouTube. You know, we just don't know exactly what it's doing to our kids, but no doubt if you've seen this, you fall into that YouTube wormhole, you start looking at something, and now an hour later you're looking at, you've gone through like a thousand videos. Now imagine being a kid not knowing how to decipher all that information that's coming into you. We know these platforms are designed with addictive and dangerous features that take advantage of a child's natural interests and novelty and play. And when you talk to teachers, and, you know, in some ways they're the front line, they'll tell you how social media is damaging self-esteem. And these are teachers who've been on the job for decades. So they were there before social media, and they say there really is a mental health crisis among their students. Social media can damage self-esteem, promote addiction, and often encourages reckless behavior like subway surfing and car theft challenges. Yeah, we've seen that as well. 511, let's go down to Washington, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, issuing this cryptic statement concerning a serious national security threat. At a White House briefing, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says he's reached out to Ohio Republican Mike Turner. I'm focused on going to see him, sit with him, as well as the other House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. And I'm not in a position to say anything further from this podium at this time. Mr. Turner says his committee made information on the threat available to members of Congress. He requested that the president declassify the information relating to the threat so Congress and allies can openly discuss actions necessary to respond. NBC News reports reported yesterday that a Democratic source described the threat as a serious issue that could lead to this destabilizing situation and a potential foreign threat. I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals. This administration has gone further and in more creative more strategic ways dealt with the declassification of intelligence in the national interest. House Speaker Mike Johnson says he sent President Biden a letter a month ago on this threat. In response to that letter, a meeting is now scheduled tomorrow on this matter here at the Capitol with the Gang of Four and with the President's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. So there's various reports they say this threat's related to emerging Russian space technology. I will press the administration to take appropriate action and everybody can uh, be comforted by that. There's no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And then, of course, let us know what it's all about. 513, the White House slamming Republicans over the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We believe that uh, what occurred is, um, is baseless. It's shameful. 
White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there talking to reporters. The impeachment, she says, was politically motivated. She says President Biden spoke with the secretary yesterday after the House successfully voted to impeach Mayorkas on Tuesday night. History will not uh, look kindly on House Republicans for this blatant act of uh, what we believe to be unconstitutional bipartisanship. It's unfortunate that House Republicans prioritize politics instead of actually getting that done. 514, Republicans want the president to submit to a cognitive test as part of his annual physical. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson, who was Trump's chief medical advisor, pointing to a special counsel report on classified documents that included statements about Biden's memory. If you're not cognitively fit to stand trial or to answer accusations against you, you're obviously not cognitively fit to be the president. Now, no surprise, Republicans eager to keep the president's mental decline in the spotlight during the 2024 race. There are even reports that Democratic senators privately admitting to worries that President Biden's age and health could cost their party the White House. This man's not cognitively fit to be our our head of state and our commander in chief. He's supposed to be getting a a physical exam done here in just a few months, his annual physical. Uh, They've already indicated that there will not be a cognitive test. Yeah, the White White House pushing back hard, saying that they're not going to give the president a cognitive test. And they continue to say that there is nothing wrong with his memory. In a moment, we'll get to the Trump side of the story in this race for the White House. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Uh, happy Friday Eve, Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Lennon. Happy uh, Friday Eve to you as well. Uh, obviously, we're going to begin on that uh, somber note yesterday in Kansas City. Horrible, horrible news. Obviously, you went over uh, much of the details, but we'll rehash some of it, some of it here. It's supposed to be a celebratory scene at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade, a scene that quickly turned horrific and uh, deadly one person is dead 21 others were wounded by gunfire and gnome if i get any of these uh numbers incorrect please they're fluid so they kind of change i thought there was this great story and i didn't include it because i just saw it now Mm -hmm. coach reed was helping calm down some teenagers who had been running away from the gunfire. Wow, really? So yeah, I mean, for him. the players, I mean, the team really had just wrapped up. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, speaking to the crowd. And, um, I mean, really, a good. I guess, I guess, you know, you you try and look for uh, some some sort of uh, positive out of this. And if it happened, you know, five minutes earlier, it's, you know, some of the, some of the team could have been involved in this. Yeah. So, um, but they are all, uh, they're all safe and sound, according uh, to the Chiefs. But, yeah, one person dead, 21 others wounded by that gunfire in that mass shooting at the end of the Chiefs Super Bowl parade yesterday. According to authorities, three people have been detained and are under investigation. KC Police Chief Stacy Graves said during a news conference uh, last evening, of the people wounded by gunfire, eight were uh, in immediately life-threatening condition, seven were in life-threatening condition, and six had minor injuries. Kansas City Chief, uh, uh, Kansas City Fire Chief Ross Grundyson said at the news conference. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas said all of the Chiefs players, again, coaches and staff, were safe and accounted for which was later confirmed uh, by the team as well. Stephanie Meyer, Chief Nursing Officer for Children's Mercy Kansas City, said, and this was this is the toughest part, said it was treating 12 patients from the rally, including 11 children between the ages of 6 and 15. The hospital said that nine of the children had uh, had gunshot wounds. Meyer said, yeah, Meyer said all were expected to recover. So thank God for that. To uh, local sports now, last night, no, I'll try to get through this here. The Knicks lost 118-100 to the Magic in Orlando. Jalen Brunson had 33-6 and for the Knicks. 
Uh, but after that big first quarter, the Knicks held the All-Star Saws team and was overmatched in a fourth straight loss. Knicks take a 33-22 and record into their eight-day All-Star break in Boston. The Nets got absolutely trounced by the Celtics. Final score there, 136-86. to Trendon Watford had 15 points for the Nets, who lost by franchise worst 52 points at Houston on October 18th, 1978. They were two points off that mark last night as the 50-point loss was their worst since moving to Brooklyn in 2012. The Nets enter the break losers of five of their last six. They trailed by as many as 56 points in that fourth quarter last night. On the NHL, two local games to look forward to tonight. At the Garden, the Rangers will shoot up for a 7 p.m. puck drop against the Montreal Canadiens, while the Devils simultaneously get going at home against the visiting Los Angeles Kings. That is Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. The judge in Donald Trump's Georgia election interference case will consider today whether the toss DA Fonnie Willis, a Trump co-defendant, says Willis needs to go because she's dating special prosecutor Nathan Wade. Georgia state law professor Clark Cunningham says this all could drag on for a while. I think what we're looking for, looking at, is a kind of a mini trial on the Fonnie Willis, Nathan Wade affair. And that mini trial is going to go on for a heck of a long time. It's not going to be resolved anything like February 15th. Willis is accused of benefiting financially by hiring Wade for $650,000, despite Wade allegedly never prosecuting a felony case. Willis has admitted to the relationship, but claims it began after she hired Wade. The judge overseeing the New York State civil fraud trial of the Trump organization, Donald Trump and his two adult sons, will issue his verdict on damages as soon as this week. NBC News is reporting that the decision will come from Judge Arthur Engron Friday. Engron has already ruled the company and the Trumps engaged in fraud. Neither party in the case requested a jury trial. The coming verdict will be about intent and damages. State Attorney General Letitia James wants $370 million and a ban on the company doing business in the state. The judge could order the former president's businesses to be dissolved. I'm Mark Mayfield. Let's move down to the Texas-Mexico border. Texas has won a key battle in the war against illegal immigration. State troopers have been fighting for control of a tiny island in the Rio Grande that has been occupied by Mexican cartels. After several weeks of courageous work, the cartel activity dropped to zero, and Fronten Island is now under Texas control. That's Texas Land Commissioner Don Buckingham says this is just part of a larger plan to secure the southern border. More razor wire being rolled out. It's made a significant significant difference in securing the border and keeping Texas safe from violent cartels, making it nearly impossible for cartel members to evade law enforcement. 522 White House says it's confident the House will pass military aid for Ukraine and Israel if it were put up for a vote. We cannot afford to wait any longer. Every day comes at a cost to the people of Ukraine and to the national security interests of the United States of America. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan talking to reporters. Ukrainian troops are rationing, running out of ammo in the country's war against Russia. But Republican Speaker Mike Johnson is refusing to put the bipartisan bill that cleared the Senate this week to a vote, citing the lack of border provisions in that package. If that vote comes to the floor of the House of Representatives, it will pass on an overwhelming bipartisan basis, just as it did in the Senate. Russian forces continue to attack both on the ground and from the air trying to wear down the Ukrainian air defenses. WABC News Time 523. The scaffolding around Paris's Notre Dame Cathedral 
is actually now starting to be removed. You'll remember the historic landmark was severely damaged in a fire back in 2019. At the top sits a golden rooster and cross, meant to symbolize a phoenix rising from the ashes. The famous Paris landmark was ravaged in a fire that started in the cathedral's attic, toppling the 19th century spire. The scaffolding will continue to be removed in the coming weeks, providing the first glimpses of what the restored cathedral will look like. The building itself is set to reopen December 8th. Tony Waterman, Paris. Three, two, one, ignition, and liftoff. Yeah, the intuitive machine's moon lander has blasted off into space. A Falcon 9 rocket carrying the Odessus moon lander had a successful liftoff at the Kennedy Space Center overnight. Odessus will orbit the moon for about 24 hours before attempting to land. If all goes as planned, the robotic 14-foot-tall spacecraft will be the first American mission to touch down on the lunar surface since Apollo 17 all the way back in 1972. An employee of Expedia arrested now for allegedly placing cameras in restrooms at the company's headquarters. An employee reported one hidden camera under a sink to a security official in December, but they left it in place thinking it was a music device or battery backup for a soap dispenser. The next day, the device was gone. In January, cameras were found under sinks in two restrooms and police were contacted. They identified 42-year-old Marcelo Vargas Fernandez as the suspect. When they searched his house, they found 30 33 spy cameras, digital storage cards, and six hard drives. There are at least 10 victims, and police believe there might be more. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. WABC News Time 525. Costumes, props, other items from iconic films headed to the auction block. Items up for grabs include Hannibal Lecter's mask in The Silence of the Lambs, Yoda's walking stick from Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and a hoverboard used by Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future Part 2. Costumes and props from Marvel, Harry Potter, and Jurassic Park franchises are also available for purchase. The live auction will take place Friday in Los Angeles. And absentee bidding is already underway on Studio Auctions' website, which is the coordinator of the auction. I'm Brian Shook. Hopefully you were smart enough to do something uh, good for your bride, for your significant other, uh, for Valentine's Day. Times Square had this pretty nice moment yesterday. They had couples remarry after being married for lots of years. Uh, this couple had been married for 35 years, renewed their vows in Times Square. It's fun. I, I find it fun because we were born and raised here. So I said, let's do something. And I'm over the 42nd Street. I sometimes pretend I'm a tourist, take people that come from different places and I said, come on, just go to 42nd Street and think that. So I think it's something nice. Yeah, so I actually took part in one of these yesterday. No, I didn't get remarried. But at the Empire Steakhouse, which is just a block away from the radio station, the city uh, held an event for couples that had been married more than 35 years to celebrate love and marriage. And they threw a really good party in the Empire Steakhouse, got to meet some people, some city hall officials and hang out with the couples and uh, ask them what it's been like to be married for 35 years or more. And uh, most of the women said that they were successful in marriage because their husbands listened to them, which I thought was great. And I think that's probably true. And most of the men that I talked to said their marriages were successful because they listened to their wives. So it seems like the wives are in control. Uh, the creator of the popular snack Pop-Tarts has passed away. You boys new around here? Yeah, I'm Ed W. Pop-Tart. And I'm Orange Crush Pop-Tart. Well then, two big swigs on me. She was really cool. <laughs> Can't hold your soda, boys. <laughs> 
William Post died at the age of 96. Post worked as a plant manager for a Michigan-based regional bakery that later became Keebler. Kellogg's asked the company in the early 60s to create a new breakfast product. Post originally called the product Fruit Scones, but the name was changed to Pop-Tarts to jump on the pop-art trend that was growing in popularity in the 1960s. I'm Tammy Trujillo. I always thought it because they popped up out of the toaster, but oh, that's interesting. Is that a pop art? Wall Street closing with stocks higher. This comes after a major sell-off yesterday due to a hotter-than-expected inflation report. The Dow had its worst day since March, but at the closing bell, the Dow rose 151 points. S&P gained 47 yesterday. NASDAQ gained 203 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine this morning. Going to see some clouds this afternoon. High 39. Tonight and overnight, rain in snow showers. It won't amount to a whole lot. Low 35. And then Friday, the sun reappears. High 45. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 28 clear in Port Washington out on Long Island. 27 and partly cloudy in Medford down in New Jersey. And it is 26 and clear here in Midtown. It's cold outside, so make sure you got a jacket and hat on. We'll start this half hour talking about the race in the 3rd District out on Long Island. Everybody's trying to figure out what it means for the rest of the country. It may mean absolutely nothing, by the way, but Tom Swazi defeated Republican Mozzie Pillup in the race for the seat that was left vacant after George Santos was thrown out of Congress back in December. Republicans in D.C., like House Speaker Mike Johnson, say the election doesn't say anything about the Republican Party. But the result uh, last night is, is not something, in my view, that Democrats should celebrate too much. Yes, yeah, so you may not be shocked to hear the Democrats do think it means something. They disagree. They were celebrating Sazi's win in D.C. It's a great day for the country, for the people of New York's third congressional district. One less vote for MAGA extreme Republicans. The Swazi campaign is indicative of the fact that Democrats are in good shape and are going to do quite well in 2024. Yeah, maybe true. Hofstra University Suburban Studies Dean Larry Levy talking to CBS. He says the election shows purple swing districts like the one in the third district have a distaste for extreme policies on both sides. It was arguably a, a, a bellwether, you know, for Democrats all around the country, uh, particularly in the swing suburban areas that tend to decide national elections. Uh, uh, and and the lessons here were basically, if you want to win in moderate areas, you run moderate candidates. It was interesting. When we did t- speak with voters out in the 3rd District, a lot of them said the reason they voted for Swazi is he brought home the bacon. Had nothing to do with what he was voting on in Washington, but the fact that he was fixing or helping them with problems they had back in their district. And that's a lot of times how a local politician can stay in office for long is that they have constituent service that's outstanding. And that's what a fair amount of people said, some who said they wouldn't necessarily vote Democratic and voted for him. Here were some voters yesterday. I'm very disappointed. Swazi was there before and did nothing. I think Mazzy um, Pillip was really far right. And and the big thing, and I believe her, her issue was the abortion issue. And... Uh, I, I think that's women's choice. I think she was the better fit for 
for what we're going through. We need change, and Swazi's not the change. So ultimately, you did hear from these voters who said, okay, it is what it is, whether I voted for Swazi or not, and they're hopeful Swazi does a good job. You have to control the migrants. Well, I think quality of life on Long Island has taken a turn only because it costs so much money to live on Long Island. That's the problem, I think. If, but I don't know who can fix that, but let's hope he tries. Hopefully that he's able to do what he said is get the parties together and come to a common ground. Yeah, good luck with that. George Santos, who, of course, was the candidate or the lawmaker that was thrown out of office back in December, he showed up with Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning yesterday for a great interview. And, uh, you know, I, I think on some level he was very excited that the seat went from red to blue. Of course, he was a Republican and says he never should have been thrown out of office in the first place and they should have hang, hung on until November. You guys miss me yet? Well, you know what? This is what happens when the will of the people is canceled, when the will of the people is ignored. Yes. So he says Republican Party leaders did not listen to voters when they put up Mozzie Pillow. We saw something very clear. The turnout of the Republican base was anemic. The Republican base was disrespected. Their votes were canceled. And this is what happens when you do that to voters. So you can hear that entire interview with Sid and George Santos. They've become quite close. Uh, com. So the district, by the way, gets to do it all over again in nine months. So that'll be part of, of course, the general election, the White House. So not clear if the Republican leaders will put Pillup up again. I doubt they will. That'd be I'd be shocked. Uh, so it will be different, but Swazi will be on the ticket. will be interesting to see who the Republicans pick. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to the Bronx. The Bronx apparently leads the city's five boroughs in domestic violence-related crime. And we had this horrendous one over the weekend. Seda Bonilla, her boyfriend, came back to her apartment 5 a.m. Saturday morning, opened fire on her and her two nephews who happened to be sleeping over. Uh, killed her. The nephews, thankfully, are going to survive. But apparently these, these domestic violent incidents are more common than you and I may know about. The police, uh, the NYPD, has a desk that just essentially works on these crimes. And here's one of the sergeants who takes some of these domestic violence calls into a precinct. The Bronx is leading domestic violence crime from other boroughs. A lot of times victims don't know that there is another way out. Um, they'll stay with their their offender because they don't have another outcome. Oftentimes, we don't find out there's something going on until a death. Yeah, so just since January 1st, there have been 2,600 domestic violence-related crimes just in the Bronx. I mean, that's outrageous, that number. So police say they try to steer people to organizations that will help them. The NYPD has partnered with Safe Horizons, which works as a liaison between victims and police, providing resources to domestic violence victims, including places for these moms, these women, and in sometimes cases, men to live. They can provide assistance in counseling, uh, providing shelters. Yeah, and Port and I probably give out this number. It's called Safe Horizons. And if you know anybody or yourself experiencing domestic violence, 1-800-621-HOPE. I can tell you they're a great organization. 
The Council on American-Islamic Relations reporting the number of anti-Arab, anti-Muslim bias incidents in the city have tripled in a nearly two-month period compared with the average from the previous year. And we're hearing from some Palestinian Americans, some who say, look, I wear a keffiyeh around my neck. I'm not showing up at protests. I'm just walking the streets. This woman says she had her keffiyeh on. And uh, she even showed off this social media post where a guy, she just happened to have her camera rolling. This guy came up to her and told her to her face that she was a terrorist. To kind of be called a terrorist in that aspect is disrespectful. It is demeaning. It is um, deteriorating to who I am as a Palestinian, who I am as a Muslim. And um, I, as a Palestinian and as a Muslim, I stand for liberation. Moath Hamza says he's been harassed to label the terrorists. Also, just for wearing his keffiyeh through the streets of the city. I was literally carrying my, my son, who's uh, two years old, um, and a lady felt the need to come up to, to my face and actually say that I'm a terrorist. Um, they, they said essentially to the group that we were in, which was a very multicultural group of all races, faiths, and walks of life, um, she essentially went up to us and said, you all should die all you terrorists should die. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is happening in a bunch of communities, Jewish community as well. And NYPD's Hate Crimes Task Force says it's been really bad. No surprise since the massacre of October 7th and now the war between Israel and Gaza that people who are identifiably, whether they're identifiably Jewish, meaning wearing their yarmulke, kippah, or in the case of the Muslim community, wearing a kafir or, or, or a head covering, that they've been harassed on the streets of the city. Yeah, I wonder what people are up to that they would harass somebody. Police searching for a suspect who attacked a musician playing in the subway. This medical student, her name, uh, Fionn Forrest, was, uh, it's a man rather, was playing his cello at the 34th Street station at Herald Square when a woman picked up his metal water bottle and then hit him over the head with it. Fell in the middle of performance, some terrible collision on the back of my head, a lot of pain. I didn't know what happened. I was kind of disoriented. Imagine this guy's just entertaining people down below on the subway. The uh, female suspect fled the scene. Now NYPD is offering a reward for information that leads to the arrest. Picture of this dope you can find at WABCRadio.com. Governor Hochul announcing moves to fight retail theft here in the city using funding uh, included in her budget. She says larceny offenses rose more than 50% in the last five years. We kind of knew that already, Poses safety concerns for retail workers. The stress on someone going to work every day, working in retail, it's off the charts. I've spoke to individuals. They should not have this level of anxiety to go into what at one time was a pretty safe job. Yeah, those workers don't want to go to battle with people who are stealing things. And they're, by the way, told not to. When someone walks in, let them walk out. But it's hard to do that and know you're going into a job every day where people are shoplifting. From 2017 to 2023, Larceny offenses rose by more than 50% here in the city. Other crimes going down. People starting to feel a little good until you go into a store. Governor Hochul urging state and federal authorities now to utilize the same strategies used to drive down violent crimes like shootings across the state. And they are down. And some of those strategies needs now be employed to stop people from shoplifting, stealing things from stores. I mean, it's just uh, no doubt if you're like me, you've seen people do this. You have the intelligence, you have the data, you can share that with law enforcement, share it with our district attorneys. Help us solve this phenomenon. 
with the same intensity that they brought to fighting gun violence and will get the same results. I'm convinced of this. Yeah, she's saying give it some time, but she says these new strategies that they're going to employ will work. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Allen. And we do start with that horrible news out of Kansas City yesterday from what was supposed to be a celebratory scene at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl Parade. A scene that quickly turned horrific and deadly. One person is dead and 21 others were wounded by gunfire in a mass shooting at the end of the Chiefs Super Bowl parade yesterday. According to authorities, three people have been detained and are under investigation. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves said during a news conference last evening of the people wounded by gunfire, eight were in immediately life-threatening condition, seven were in life-threatening condition, and six had minor injuries. Kansas City Fire Chief Ross Grundison said at that news conference. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas said all the Chiefs players, coaches, and staff were safe and accounted for, which was later confirmed by the team in a statement. Stephanie Meyer, chief nursing officer for Children's Mercy Kansas City, said it was treating 12 patients from the rally, including 11 children between the ages of 6 and 15. Hospital said that nine of the children had gunshot wounds. Meyer said all were expected to recover. To local sports now, the Knicks lost 118-100 to to the Magic in Orlando last night. Jalen Brunson had a 33. The Knicks take a 33-22 and record into their eight-day All-Star break. In Boston, the Nets got absolutely trounced by the Celtics. Final score there, 136-86. to They lose by 50. The Nets enter the break. Losers of five of their last six. They trailed by as many as 56 points in that fourth quarter last night. In the NHL, two local games to look forward to tonight. At the Garden, the Rangers will shoot up for a 7 p.m. puck drop against the Montreal Canadiens, while the Devils simultaneously get going at home against the visiting L.A. Kings. That is Sports Known, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Justin did a good job covering the Kansas City shooting parade. We'll start here in the city, New York City, suing social media companies over their roles in fueling the mental health crisis among kids. Mayor Adams says the city is going to join hundreds of school districts nationwide in filing a lawsuit against companies like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube. Our most recent data found that young people in New York City are experiencing anxiety, hopelessness, and even attempted suicide at rates have never seen before. Yeah, there's just a ton of growing evidence that the power of social media, a major cause of mental issues. The lawsuit seeks to force these social media giants to change their behavior. They also want to recover the cost. New York spends about $100 million on youth mental health services every year. Earlier this morning, our administration filed a lawsuit against the companies that own five major social media platforms. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat and YouTube. I can tell you from talking to parents and you talk to teachers, this is the real deal. They think the addictiveness of these social media platforms is fueling this mental health crisis among kids. And by the way, there's just not enough therapists and psychiatrists to handle the load of people who are asking for help. We know these platforms are designed with addictive and dangerous features that take advantage of a child's natural interests. And novelty and play. Yeah, we're seeing just these incidents of 
girls cutting themselves, starving themselves in numbers, record numbers, by the way, like we've never seen before. And some of that self-esteem damage being done by the fact that they're just constantly staring at this uh, addictive source, these social media platforms. Social media can damage self-esteem, promote addiction. And often encourages reckless behavior like subway surfing and car theft challenges. Now, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee issuing a cryptic statement yesterday concerning a serious national security threat. We've heard a couple different stories of what this might be all about. At a White House briefing, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, says he's reached out to Congress to tell them what's going on. I'm focused on going to see him, sit with him, as well as the other House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. And I'm not in a position to say anything further from this podium at this time. He's talking about Ohio Republican Mike Turner there. He requested that the president, Mike Turner, declassify information relating to this threat so Congress and allies can openly discuss actions necessary to respond. Now, NBC says a Democratic source described this threat as a serious issue that could lead to a stabilizing situation. And then a little more. I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals. This administration has gone further and in more creative more strategic ways dealt with the declassification of intelligence in the national interest. So there's various reports that the threat is related to emergent rushing space technology, but we don't have all the details. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican Speaker Mike Johnson, says he sent a letter to President Biden a month ago about this threat. In response to that letter, a meeting is now scheduled tomorrow on this matter here at the Capitol with the Gang of Four and with the President's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. I will press the administration to take appropriate action, and everybody can uh, be comforted by that. There is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter, as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. Now the question is, will they share that threat with the rest of us? Let's bring it back home. New research from an environmental group suggests that New Jersey's strict plastic bag ban is having a positive impact on the environment. Data from the Environment America states that New Jersey has avoided using 2.7 billion single-use plastic bags since this ban went into place. A lot of times we have policies uh, that people try to bring in, uh, and sometimes there are negative side effects. This is one that's like a win-win. Yeah, so these were some people who were out shopping. Now, I remember in the beginning, boy, everybody hated this because you'd forget to bring those bags with you. I st- I always do. I end up carrying groceries to the car. Uh, but for the people who do remember to bring the bags, they say, okay, if it's helping the environment, I'm, I'm on board. I, at first, was just buying the paper bags every day. And at first, they started off, what, a dollar, two dollars. And then they went down to 10 cents. And I thought, gosh, I'm accumulating all these bags. But then I find that the bags I buy in the store have so many other uses okay. in my household. Well, look at you, uh, lucky for you. At the annual beach sweeps, volunteers telling us that they've seen a major decrease in cleaning up single-use bags on the beach. So I guess that's a win-win for everybody as well. FDNY fire marshals trying to figure out what caused this huge Brooklyn apartment fire injured a dozen people yesterday. Lieutenant Salvatore Mira says firefighters went into the burning building without the protection of a hose when they found out one person might be trapped in the fourth floor unit of this huge apartment building. We had to make a you know, life-saving decision, which is what we trained for, and we did it, and 
positively uh, it, it worked out today. Yeah, this guy's constantly doing heroic things. The patient in serious condition, several other people being treated for non-life-threatening injuries. It means basically that the construction of the building is intended for uh, preventing of travel of fire. Um, it's basically a uh, concrete building, and uh, there's a standpipe in here, which facilitates easier hose line operations for the engine company. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out what started it all. It's another day in the office for us here. It's, uh, it's, it's our job. It's our life. So uh, are we heroes? Some might say so. But to us, it's a job, and we love doing it. We do it with passion. Yeah, great job done by the FDNY saving all those people yesterday. A day in court for a man who police say attacked two officers during an arrest in Times Square. Queens District Attorney Melinda Katz says Darwin Gomez, a migrant living in a city shelter, arrested Tuesday night for another robbery. We are still investigating the case, uh, and that is all I can talk about at the moment because it's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, cops say the robbery happened at the Macy's at the Queens Center Mall. Police say the 19-year-old served as a lookout for three people who stole $600 worth of clothing. One of the wanted people punched a security guard. Uh, but this guy was arrested, and uh, th- hopefully he'll they'll hold him behind bars for a while, not let him out like they did this past time. New York City opening a new career-focused school to address the looming health care worker shortage. City Schools Chancellor David Banks says the Northwell School of Health and Sciences is going to open in Woodside, Queens. In the fall of 2025, 900 students will be able to go to this specialized school. Because the Northwell School of Health Sciences will integrate healthcare career knowledge and job training with a high-quality high school experience, preparing all of our students for well paying jobs you you know by 2030 it's projected that the city will have a shortage of 40,000 nurses so they're hoping that this school will help uh, solve that problem before it actually takes place but train these people to be nurses and uh, get them out into the real world and uh, oh my god did I lose the story that I wanted to end with (laughs) my computer just went down uh, let's see. If, oh, here we go. OK, went back up again. So in the back room of a Fairlawn public library where normally you're able to get books loaned and other kinds of items, they're now doing this interesting thing. They're loaning wedding dresses out and uh, you can come in and get a wedding dress, try it on. If it fits, you can take it home and wear it at your wedding. I've been wanting to go vintage dress shopping and kind of maybe thrift my dress. I just got engaged a couple months ago, and I also love libraries, so it was like seemed like the perfect fit. Yes, so a woman just decided, the library director, her uh, family was in the wedding dress business, so she had some. She, she came up with this idea. She said, hey, wedding dresses are expensive, and what a fun way to give these wedding dresses out so you can come in and uh, loan them out. And you, by the way, if you really like the wedding dress, you don't have to return it. It fit like a glove, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this dress. I'm going to wear it. So it just felt very... Um like it was meant for me. Library director Adele Puccio came up with this idea. My great aunt was a buyer at Kleinfeld's when I was a little girl. I think that everybody should feel beautiful on their wedding day. And I'm just happy to try and be a small part of that. If a bride falls in love with her dress, she can have it. It's her dress. Yes, yeah, so there's about, apparently a lot of dresses uh, at this library. It's the Fairlawn Library if you're looking for a wedding dress.